Naye Lupondwana on Facts of Faith. Good morning, welcome. You're listening to Facts of Faith. I am Naye Lupondwana with you until 11 o'clock. Uh, we begin our program by cleaning up some of the past mistakes that were made in this program and there's no biggie we just need to clarify these things and make a point of clarifying these things on air there had been uh, some text messages sent to the program uh, alleging or making allegations about scripture and uh, we had some guests responding to some but our guests never responded on air to this one so, we're going to begin our conversation by clarifying this issue of 1 Kings chapter 11. If you have a Bible next to you, please turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 11. And we're going to read only two texts there. Um, we need to understand exactly what this person was suggesting. Uh, because uh, the text message writer, BM, he signed his text message as BM, he alleged that the book in the Bible instructs that the Jews or somebody perpetuate apartheid against some group of people. We need to find out if the text they are quoting is an actual fact saying that. And uh, lucky for me, we have uh, a rabbi. Yes, a rabbi in the studio. Yes. Um, Morning. No, Thank you so much for having me here. Don't worry, Rabbi. We're, we're going we'll to give you an opportunity when we come back. Uh, let me just read this and then we'll, we'll, we'll come back into it. This is found in the book of First, First Kings chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. And then in verse 11, he says, the punishment comes. So we'll read verse 11 also. I'm reading the text messages. It reads, First Kings 11, 1 and 2, instructs apartheid, full stop. Verse 11, the punishment, full stop. And signed as BM. It reads, now this is the text from the Bible. It reads, but King Solomon loved many strange women together with the strange women, the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonites, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto children of Israel, ye shall not go in to children. Uh, beg your pardon, of the nations uh, concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come into unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. That's verse 1 and verse 2. And then this person alleges verse 11 is the punishment of what he claims to be apartheid in verse 1 and 2. Verse 11 reads, Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. That's verse 11. So, let's begin our conversation. We'll talk about that with the rabbi after this. You've read the text, and you've heard what the text says in the scripture. Now, let's move on to the program for today. And when we get into the conversation for today, we'll give the rabbi the opportunity to breathe on this matter also. And I'll give you my reply to that. Today, we're focusing on the issue of feminism. Yes, you heard me right. Feminism. And the simple and plain question we're asking, can you be a feminist and still be a person of faith? This is predicated on the theory that if we find so many times and all throughout scripture that God focuses only on men and hardly ever on women, he gives injunctions of leadership and authority over men and hardly ever on women, is it ever possible that you can be a feminist and still believe in a God that believes in a masculine form of leadership? We've had so many conversations on this program trying to get to the bottom of it, or at least to get to some point of it but we always get to the conclusion that well God did not elect and select men to be leaders alone there were some women who led and so forth and we always land on that uh, very tasteless point so we need to get to some detail so we'll prod just a little bit just a little bit to get to some clarity on this issue. So first, we need to understand what exactly is feminism. Because when we speak, we tend to think that feminism is women empowerment. Is, is, is that what feminism is? 
is, is feminism uh, men are trash is, is that what feminism is or is it some form of equality because when I asked another colleague of mine she said well if you believe in gender equality then you you're a feminist I, I giggled within myself thinking wow such a plethora of, of definitions of the very same phenomenon but we'll have our guests give us some clarity on this that's our question what can we come to the conclusion about this issue can you be a feminist within the religious context facts of faith begins right now you're listening to facts of faith on SAFM the views and ideas expressed in this program are views expressly of the people sharing them and not of the anchor or of that of this broadcaster. All persons, juristic or natural, are to be held responsible for their own representations offered on this program by their agents and not this corporation. Any and all consumption of our conversational substance is entirely at your own discretion. Please be advised that this program airs subject matter that has the potential to destabilize and challenge your intellectual equilibrium. If you are excitable, profound caution when consuming our subject matter is advised. Participation in this program is a voluntary enterprise and as such is expected to be considered and deliberated on. Kindly note that, just as the anchor is, all participants, guests and callers are encouraged to engage in this our freedom of expression and any of our civil liberties responsibly. Facts of Faith begins right now. All right, let me introduce you to our guests for this morning, some who will give us some perspective, some insight, some understanding, some direction, some guidance on how to navigate our thoughts through this conversation of, can you be a feminist within the religious context? Well, give us some insights. From our, uh, on, the, on the line is uh, Christina Landman, Professor Christina Landman. For those who don't know, uh, Professor Christina Landman is one of the guests that we always marvel at listening to her insights, at least from the theological perspective. Professor Landman is a professor of theology at the University of South Africa and an ordained pastor in the Uniting Reformed Church in South Africa. And Professor Landman, by the way, was the first woman to become a professor of theology at a South African university. So that's kudos for the good professor because we are making strides in South Africa in recognizing the capacities and capabilities of human beings Equally, Professor Landman, good morning to you and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good morning, it's fine to be here. And also we do have right here with me uh, Rabbi Julia Margolis, Chairman of the South African Center for Religious Equality and Diversity. Uh, you call it sacred, right, Rabbi? Yes. And the third South African woman to be ordained as a rabbi and the first to serve as a rabbi within the borders of the Republic. Rabbi Mangonis, thank you very much for going to talk to us. Thank you for having me. And also, we are scheduled to speak to uh, uh, Pearl Coupe. Now, Pastor or Reverend Coupe is an attorney, an activist, international consultant, author, founder of Hebrew Midwives and Pearl Coupe Ministries. And she gives us some insights also from that perspective of having the Hebrew side and the Christian side amalgamated. And she's also an activist. Yes, you heard me right. So, as soon as we have Reverend Coupe, we will be joined by her. She's supposed to be well, talking to us also on this subject. We'll take a break and come back. Our question is, can you be a feminist and still be a religious person? Stand by. Naye Lupondwana on Facts of Faith. Welcome back and thank you very much for sticking around. You're listening to Facts of Faith. It's supposed to be an, an, an hour long, but we're beginning now at 15 minutes after up to 10. So I'm going to ask all my guests to be as brief and succinct in their replies as possible. Let's begin with you, Rabbi. Uh, first and foremost, you heard um, the text message I, sa- I, I read from last week. Uh, would you like to comment on you, you Okay, we'll, we'll let that... Let me give you well, the reply that I was I'm uh, legally obliged to give as a person who's steering this conversation. The, con- the name of the conversation, you know, the, the, the show, is Facts of Faith. And we welcome anything that comes under the facade or the uh, umbrella of fact, insofar as it can be predicated in evidence. If it can be based on some form of evidence, scriptural evidence, then we welcome it and we let it thrive. But if you offer some scripture, 
that alleges to be part of your evidential material for whatever you're alleging, we need to tally the two and make sure responsibly if it does actually say what you're alleging it says. As far as the book of 1 Kings 11, verse 1 and 2, you don't have to be a theologian to note that there is nothing about apartheid there. Let me say this again. Read it for yourself for South Africa. There is nothing about apartheid there. If anything, this is jury cautioned on preserving who and what they are. Or else they will be punished by God. It has absolutely nothing to do with apartheid. Now, BM, you're welcome to call in the program and you make your point as abundant as possible. But let us not make allegations about scripture that are not true. If this is your opinion, clearly label it as your opinion and we'll let you be the person who holds that opinion. But don't parade it as a fact, as a biblical, as a scriptural fact. That's it. Back to our conversation. Rabbi Magornis, can you be a feminist? Absolutely. And be a person of faith? Yes, definitely. Clarify. Um, Jewish feminism is a movement that seeks to make the religious, legal, and social status of Jewish women equal to the one of man. Because you were talking previously about what does it mean to be a feminist. I just want to talk about Jewish feminists. And there are different women feminists that have different approaches and they have different ideas. In its modern form, the Jewish um, feminist movement can be traced to the beginning of um, 1970s, back in America. Hold on. Let me, uh, forgive me. Let me just stop you right there. We're not talking about Jewish feminism. We were talking about what Jews believe to be their faith, not their cultural practices, their faith as instructed by their God. If you believe that God has given you authority and right to be a feminist and you have some scriptural support for it, offer it to us. But we, 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 we need to distinguish between being a Jew as in a cultural practice yes. and being a Jew as a faith and spiritual engagement with the upper being. And that's what we're talking about. I agree with you, but you can be Jewish and spiritual. It doesn't matter right now if you're a man or a woman. I'm not distinguishing. But not be I'm not, a feminist. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that. I'm, I'm saying we're looking for the spiritual perspective, not the cultural perspective. You go to your scriptures, the Torah, and you find anything that gives rise to your thinking that you can be a feminist within the Torah. Absolutely. And okay. I, I can talk with you about many women okay. in the Torah okay. that, according to me and to my understanding, they are feminists for me. Okay. They are my example. Okay. What I want to be, you know, when I'm big. Um, and, for, and you're what now? Okay, never, never mind. Go ahead. So, for example, when we hear stories of Eve, you know, we basically know that she's being blamed for Adam's actions, right? That's number one. Who, who blamed her for Adam's actions? History, people, man who wrote books okay. because it was convenient. God never blamed her. Not God. No not yes. God, no, 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 God actually God. went to Adam and said, what have you done? Yes. Absolutely. Correct. Not God. Yes. So let us man. forget about what men people. Let's focus, focus on what God says. Okay. Yeah. For example, I have a long list here in front of you of all the women that they were um, examples of feminists back in the Torah. You mentioned Ruth. Ruth was from the land of Moab. She was a foreign-born woman, and her husband passed away. And she was one who followed her mother-in-law to a new country. She was the one who, according to Judaism, we will consider to be the real proselyte. She converted because she loved God of Israel. That's number one, for example. Um, Vashti, the queen of Persia. Hold on. Hold on. Before we go to Vashti, <laughs> uh, the, the expelled, the exiled queen of Persia, let's talk about Ruth. You, you mentioned yes. Ruth. Ruth was not a feminist. This is a woman who was married to this man, and this man died. And because this man died, and she loved Naomi, the, the, the mother-in-law, she decided, I'm going to stay with this woman. And she was was told, I, I can't bear children for you. Why are you staying with me? And then the famous quote, oh, your people will be my, my people. people and, 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 exactly, that, that's the famous one. And then she goes on, and she is somewhat, and I say this with all the respect ever possible, but it needs to be clinically put, 
she was somewhat prostituted to Boaz. No, oh, no she was don't say sent, that. She was no. sent by the mother to go to Boaz and sleep with Boaz. She was great-grandmother of King David, let's not forget. I have no issue with that. But she was told by Naomi, go and sleep with Boaz. Go into his bed. It doesn't sound very nice. It, isn't that what happened? I'm sorry, it I does. think I need to come in here. You, 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 get, an, you get the opportunity, uh, 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 Madam, just, just give the rabbi an opportunity to breathe. She made an example yeah, of... But you are of, harassing the rabbi now, and I need to Just come hold on, you here. will get your opportunity. Just let the rabbi have her chance. Go ahead, rabbi. I said from different point of view. I see that she followed the matriarch. She followed Naomi. She could have said, my husband passed away. And I'm not interested to follow you. She could also do that. According to me, the strength to go with your mother-in-law to a different place, to be a prostitute if you want to call it that way. It's not what I'm saying. You use that word. I don't like that word. And to be with Boaz because she understood the importance of that and and the courage that she had. This is what I'm looking at. Okay. So you define courage of a woman as feminism. Also. Absolutely. If... And it was a thousand years ago. And still, if you want to stand and you want to say what is your opinion, and sometimes it might be not what other people say or think, you need to have courage. Let's give, let's read a definition of feminism. A general, not my definition, a general definition of feminism. One reads an advocacy, that's feminism, right? The advocacy of women's rights on the ground of the equality of the sexes. Yes. Would that be a fair definition of feminism? Yes. What about that? The life of Ruth is the advocacy of women's rights on the grounds of equality of her the sexes. Choice, that she made her choice to go with Naomi. She could, she, could, she could stay there. She didn't need to do that. She didn't need to go to bars. Again, what does that have to do with her being an activist or fighting for the equality of women when she chooses to stay with her mother-in-law? It was her equality. This is what she wanted. I believe that, that that's my opinion. Um, That the spirit that she wanted to bring, what she would want to say to her future children. Okay, so when you... I believe that Ruth was very smart. I believe that she was um, innovative. She was uh, courageous, as I said. And I'm sure that a thousand years ago, like today, it's not um, very easy to be a single woman living in those times. Okay. Did you research the definition of feminism? I will be honest with you. I did not go and Google it. Okay. No, I did not. Okay. Do you I have a, 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 dic- a, a dictionary definition? No, but I can tell you what my belief of feminism is. Okay. Is that All right. No problem. No okay. problem. No problem. Um, that's what we're inviting you to do. Yes. To give us your perspective. All right. Uh, Professor Landman, uh, you wanted to jump in. No, I want to come in on this um on the definition of feminism and on Ruth, when I, you know, I'm afraid that when people use the word feminism, they use it in the sense of anti-man, and that is not, and I think that the rabbi made that very clear. But that's not what we're talking about, Professor Landman. We read the definition, the dictionary definition. We're Thank talking you, about Professor. What a, we're on the same page. Look, we're focusing <laughs> on what the de- dictionary says, and, and that's, that's okay, what we're... Okay, now, let, let me just, let, let, just give me a chance. Feminism is, to begin with, a term we hardly use anymore in in theology for two reasons. The one is it's a Western term, and we here in Africa, uh, and uh, we had a circle of African women theologians established in 1989 that sort of encompasses 400 women in Africa with doctorates, masters or doctorates in theology, and they don't use the word feminism at all. They use the word, the, the, the terminology African women theologies. And um, the, the Western women even don't use feminism anymore because they've moved post-feminism. And post-feminism means that you don't see women as victims, women in the Bible as victims, or women today as victims, but as moral agents. And then, of course, um, Eve, that was mentioned by the rabbi, comes into play. She's no longer the person that, you know, the baddie who, who, who dumped everybody into... Uh, I'm going to interject there, Professor Landman. Could you give us, offer us a, a, a definition of feminism? Our question is about feminism. Well, feminism is an old-fashioned term that, that rested on two assumptions. The one is essentialism, which means that it was thought that men are essentially different from women. 
And then when there's equality, uh, and uh, you know, when when we talk about equality, then we would say that women, being different from men, are equal to them. But in a sense, in in, in the minds of people on the ground, it became an anti-man definition, and it's not. It's but not. I need you to, Professor. We we're ending a conversation at eleven, so we need to cut to the chase. I need you to get to the nub of your definition. How do you correctly define feminism? Um, I think I'm not going to repeat myself. I don't use the term feminist. It's old-fashioned. Nobody uses it anymore. But we are using that's 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 a predicate of our conversation there, Professor Landman. We talk about women's theologies, and women's theologies are based on on certain assumptions, and these assumptions are that we read the Bible from a cultural hermeneutic point of view. That means that we see that there are certain cultural aspects in the Bible that sort of define women, but which is not essential to the message, the, 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 the core message of the Bible. For instance, Ruth, you know, she does some cultural... Professor Landman, with respect, you are you're skirting the issue. You are running away from the issue. We invited you to come and talk to us about the very question we're asking right now. Can you be a feminist? You never said to my producer you won't be able to talk about feminism. Our conversation is about feminism. That's really strange things to say, sir. The question is, can you be a feminist in the church? And the point is, I say I can be a woman theologian in the church. And I cannot be a feminist because that's not a word we use anymore. I can be a woman theologian, and these are the tenets on which women's theologies and African women theologies are, are based, and that I can talk about. Otherwise, if you think I should go, I would gladly do that. But to say feminism is when you use the feminism, immediately people think about anti-man, and we want to undermine that. That is why we don't use the term anymore. We use the term women's theologies. And that is very, very relevant, you know. And as I said, about 10 years ago, I gave a lecture on from feminist theology to women's theologies. So it's, the, the term is already 10 years, it's passé. We don't use it. And, and therefore, um, you know, if you want to know if one can be a woman's theology, women's theologian in the church or in, 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 in religion, it's very relevant. And I can tell you what let me, let me explain. Let, let me explain what we're talking about, um, um, uh, Professor Landman. South Africa today has got a number of people who believe in what you don't believe in. In using that term, it still forms part of the English dictionary and the South African lexicon today. You find that in South African epistemology, it is still used quite prevalently. In fact, uh, we have many of your contemporaries who were more than willing to come, just as you were, but we chose you, uh, are more than willing to talk on the issue of feminism because we speak of people who identify themselves as feminists. And we need to understand, when we listen to much of the pedagogy perpetuated out there in the world, and also within religious communities, can this concept that is being propagated out there stand the test in a religious context? Can we have it happening? Can we have feminism in this environment? Quite frankly, I do appreciate there are many other phenomena and many other activists who can use different wording and words and theories on addressing the very same issue that we may want to be addressing right now. But right now, our focus is on feminism and if at all, it can stand. If you are one of those people who believes it no longer applies, it cannot stand, then we will not bother you, Professor Landman. But the issue is, that's what we're talking about. Can you be a feminist and yet be a fully functional practitioner of a theistic community, a religious uh, community? Not necessarily a theologian, for that matter, but a practicing Christian or a practicing Jew or a practicing Muslim or any of these faiths and still call yourself a feminist. Rabbi, um, you wanted to jump in also. I just wanted to say that, according to my understanding, the main grievances that early Jewish feminists, and I will use the term feminist, was the problem that women's exclusion from all male prayer groups that yes. were in Judaism. 
um, woman's exception from positive time bound mitzvot. Mitzvot meaning to the 613 commandments that giving in the Torah at Mount Sinai um, and the seven rabbinic commandments um, that they were um, instituted later. So it brings us total to 620. And there are moments when women are not allowed to be, for example, function as a witness in the um, court, court. Um, initiate divorce and to be active. So those things, this is what I am and this is what my colleagues that I will call Jewish feminists are fighting for yeah. because I do not believe that in 21st century we can have a situation that women will not be included in the Minyan. Minyan yeah. is a religious group of people, according to me, men and women, yes. that are pre- supposed to perform or supposed to support, um, for example, when we have a um, Shiva, when we have um, a mourning period for someone who died, yeah. when we have a Brit Milah, the circumcision for a baby, when we have a baby naming for a girl. When I do my prayers and I need to know do I have enough people or not, I include men and women. In Orthodox community, only men allowed to be counted in this minyan, the 10 people that you need to have. This is what I'm fighting for. And um, if you want to call it feminism, be my guest, then it's fine with me. Um, I believe, I don't want, because this is not my subject, and I, uh, I'm not sure about definition, but I believe that you can be an activist, you can be a feminist, yes. when you fight for the equality for women and men in our days. You, you know, Rabbi, we, we, we can agree on much of what you're saying. And quite frankly, um, whatever has been uh, done by men against women needs to be corrected. And, and uh, I suppose if that's what is the definition of feminism, to correct what men did wrong uh, to women, then let it be so. Yes. But our, our issue for this program yes. is not what necessarily what human beings do. It's what we need to learn from our theistic supreme being does. If our God says um, um, this should be done, we can't find men or women saying, no, let's change it. If God says it's supposed to be done by women, why should we find men who are going to say men should have the right to do it also? If this God of yours says this should be done only by men, why should we have women who are going to be saying women should have the right to do it also? Hence, we're asking the question, can you really fight for your rights where God has given no right? I don't see it that way. I believe that God, when the, he gave commandments, yeah. when, when he spoke to Moses, <coughs> sorry, and he asked to give the commandments to people, he was talking about people. Yeah. He didn't say only men. Yeah. And actually, if you will go to the Bible and you will look at the verse, you will see that it says men, women, and children. It doesn't, only after that, people decided, oh, let's just only to focus on men. Um, so I look at it from the beginning from a bit different point. For, for example, you, you're giving the example of uh, the Sinai incident. Yes. Could God have chosen a woman to speak to at Sinai? He could. But for example... He chose Moses. And I don't want to go right now why he chose Moses. But, for example, when the Israelites came to the Red Sea, there was also Miriam there. So there are books, and, and there the are books, and there are books that they don't tell the readers that Miriam also was there. Yes. No, actually, you when you read your scriptures, they do the, the Bible. It does say that. But then again, she was only there as a songstress, as like any other woman. No, no, no. She, she wrote she a song. Very, she had a very important role. Which is what? She was leading the people when they were going through a very hard period of time. And it's again, I what? look at it that it was a, a woman standing on the shores of the Red Sea and, and singing and leading the prayer. Yes. And some people... Um, decide to look only at the male side and to say, no, 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 it was only male doing it. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. What your scriptures say, they say that she was there like many other women and many other men that were there, but she 
wrote that song. She's the one that broke out in song. She's the one that led that people. That is a great example for me. I understand. But still, again, she was not leading like Aaron was leading. She was not leading like Moses was leading. In fact, even the rebellion against Moses, uh, Dathan and Korah were the ones who were leading the rebellion. There were no women leading the rebellion. If anything, we can. no one is having a, has an issue with a woman singing. I mean, you, you, you. I fought for that. <laughs> Yes. In 1976, there was a, um, an article that was published, and the name of the article was Female God Language in a Jewish Context. And this is also a trait that I see right now. There are some people that they want and they will call the God in feminine language. Because remember in Hebrew, there is a definition between man, masculine, and feminine. And this is how we want to, ha- to read our scriptures. Even you know that... Um, there are communities that the male says in the morning, thanks God for not making me a woman. Mm. What about that? All right, or open the lines, 0891-104-207, 0891-104-207. You're listening to our conversation, and you understand now, surely by now, you understand why such conversations are uncomfortable to have. Uh, 0891-104-207, 0891-104-207. From your perspective as a South African, perhaps you're a feminist out there. Uh, you're one of the people who call themselves feminists and you believe in feminism. If you are a feminist and you believe in feminism, call in and perhaps you're part of a religious community. Share with us your opinion, how it is that you're functioning within your religious community. Can you really uh, share with us some texts that support your practice as a feminist and also a religious practitioner wherever, in whatever faith that you believe? Schoolers, educators, help us understand. And I'm hoping if it's your opinion, you'll clearly label this as your opinion. And if it's a matter of fact, then you can share with it, share it with us as a fact and give us your evidence that gives you the opinion that it is a fact. 0891-104207 and send your text messages to 40938. 40938. Each text message will cost you 150. Naye Lupondwana on Facts of Faith. All right, um, let's go back to our other guest, um, Professor Landman, Professor Christina Landman. Uh, give us some perspective on the question we're asking. Can you be a feminist within the religious context? So, uh, uh, Professor Landman, you were saying that you can? Yes, what I was saying was, what doesn't seem to have been heard, is that what you call feminism is what we call today African women theologies, point one, and what, uh, because it's a local term, and the second one is we, we, if we talk about feminism, we talk about post-feminism. And the reason why we have moved away from that initial term is because it is seen as anti-man, and not so what we're doing today. What women theologians do is they read, uh, they read the Bible from a, um, from a cultural hermeneutics point of view. They see what is cultural in the Bible, and what is part of the essential message of equality and justice, which we believe in, and the Bible propagates. And that is what we want to enhance. We don't see women as victims anymore. We see them as moral agents and how they should be encouraged and how the, um, the text in the Bible, the stories of the women, are used as intertext to encourage women to become moral agents and to fight for justice. So let me, let me, let me see if I understand powerful. you well, Professor Landman. You're saying it is the same thing. It's just that you call it women's theologies and I call it feminism. Is that what, you, what you're saying? And yes, I say what you call is what we call, but we have moved away from the harsh a feminine standpoint, feminist standpoint theory as you seem to, in, seem to interpret it. Yes. We have moved away from that because we don't isolate women in the Bible and say they are the new heroes. We see women in partnership. We see women in leadership. Those are the emphasis we are doing now, which is moving away from the initial feminist standpoint theory. I understand, Professor Lehman. And I suspect perhaps then we did really have a wrong guest for our conversation because we are interested in talking to those who still today have not moved on from that standpoint. We're still interested in talking to those people who still hold the view that feminism, as it was propagated by women feminists, of the pioneers of feminism, then that's who we wanted to talk to. People who still hold those theories as true in fact. 
and that's why um, uh, we, we were at odds at the beginning. But we will continue with your perspective, the um, uh, Feminism 2.0, um, the, the revised standard version of feminism. Uh, when you speak of feminism right now, you're saying women are not victims. Can we go into scripture and find that women have been given equality with men? Um, so let, let me just um, come back to the feminist issue very quickly because we can't talk about definitions the whole day. The point is part of being free, part is renaming yourself. And blacks, black people have decided to rename themselves. They don't want to be called by certain names, and rightfully so. And women don't want to be called by certain names anymore. And if you say that you know lots of women who are feminists, who are theological feminists, then I would actually like to hear about them because I have, um, you know, I, I'm moving all these groups and they don't use the word feminism anymore. So we choose now what names we want to be called. And we want to be called, in the groups in which I move, African women theologians. And we have Muslim members and we have, um, we have also Jewish members. Okay. All okay, right. So that is what we choose to be called. That's All part right. of our Hold that thought, Professor Landman. I want to take some calls for both you and the rabbi. 891 Let's go to in KZN. Good morning, Sile. Hello. Yes, go ahead, Sile. Yes, uh, I want to, 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 to bring the issue of uh, Estory and Mordecai. You see, um, Mordecai went to Estory to, 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 address him, to address her that she must do something to save the Jews. But now you see, God in that instant chose the woman to play a role in deliverance of the Jews. Yet to realize some of the weight set by Mordecai through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says that um, if you don't do it somewhere else, the help will come to deliver the Jews. Now you see, Esther took the responsibility in, in, in playing the role towards the deliverance of the Jews. So now the God that time chose the woman, as much as God at the time chose Moses, so God can choose whoever he chose to do. We cannot discern why God chose that one, why God did not choose that one. God make a decision the way he make a decision, and we accept God's decision as they are. You realize that God said, I, uh, uh, I love Jacob, I hated Esau. We, we cannot now say why God hate this one, why God loves this one. God is doing things the way he chooses to do. So it's not a matter of debating whether or not, or whether it is. If God said, I want to take a woman and use a woman in that one, then God will take a woman and use a woman in that area. If God said, I want to take a man, either man or woman, God will use any of those. Thank uh, you. With, with respect, Sikhle, it was Mordecai who went to Esther. It was not God. We don't have any, any literature that suggests that God spoke to Esther. In fact, even with the, the famous quote that you did not say, where uh, Mordecai says, how do you know? Maybe you were brought to this place for such a time as this. You know, he, he was surmising what could be the cause of Esther being chosen above all these other women. And so we don't know if God chose her. There is no evidence, scriptural evidence to support your theory. But if you believe that God chose Esther... Uh, will respect your beliefs, Isla. As, as, as much as it is true to say that it was not an accident that Esther was there. We don't know. God, we we God, don't know. God, you see, we, uh, if we she believe that God set time and put people according his own time. I understand, so, Sita, I understand. And what I'm saying is that while, what, what you hold as truth, I will respect that as an opinion, but we don't have any scriptural evidence to support that as fact. All right? I gotta move on to here. Am I coming there? You hold on, hold on. Just, just hold on. Just hold on, Professor Landman. You're not the interpreter here, Professor Landman. You are not the theologian. Please. All right, Professor Landman. Uh, let's move on to Masiko. Uh, Masiko is in Cape Town. Good morning, Masiko. Hi, my hi. Hi. So you know, I, I just wanted to say it's been a very difficult conversation to listen to because I think. Um, your question was also very, very sort of rigid and, and a contextual, right? And 
I think we were also sort of robbed of an opportunity to unpack what feminism really is. You know, you gave it a very simplistic meaning to say that no feminism is simply about, you know, the equality, uh, is simply about the equality of the sexes. When in actual fact, you know, you've got to look at the origins of feminism. You've got to look at things like the fact that feminism didn't just emerge as feminism. There was first wave feminism, there was second wave feminism, and then there was third wave feminism, right? And then you also had to, I think we also needed to have a discussion about the fact that uh, feminism in its traditional um, understanding and conceptualization is something that responded very much to, to, to European women's experiences, right? So then we had to move from there and look at ourselves as Africans and as as and 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 and, and deconstruct what we would mean by feminism if there is even such a thing as feminism in an African context, you know, um, and perhaps then also point to 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 certain things like black radical feminism which didn't even feature in this conversation and whether that kind of feminism could be reconciled, for example, with with um, Religion, but I, you know, because just in the interest of time, I'll, I'll, I'll be quick and say that um, if we had explored that, we may have even come to the conclusion and realized that um, uh, it, it, it doesn't. You know, it would have even led us to questioning gender and conceptions of gender. You know, um, which we which we didn't have an opportunity to do. I think just because we were very stuck on a very rigid sort of conceptualization of what feminism. Um, um, is you know there hasn't been a, a broad exposition, a long enough exposition of what exactly do we mean you know by by feminism and its origins. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we, we when we invite our guests here, we invite our guests as subject matter experts. Where right? They, where, no, no, no. But yeah, where, where exactly. they're supposed where they're supposed to be offering us all these answers, and when we run short of those answers, we only have the English dictionary, for example, to give us the words, the definition yeah. of the words. Although and I, I, it, it was I think, not I my think, rigid uh, yeah, definition. No, no, I think, I think you didn't give the professor, because at some point the professor had actually alluded to, um, to, to, you know, African women and feminism, but of course she didn't have a chance to really... Uh, to, to, to develop what she was saying. Actually, she um, did have the chance, and she avoided the concept of feminism. She said she well, no I mean, longer we were, talk about we, that. We were, li- we were listening, and yes. I, we, I don't think she had a chance to develop that. Yes, um, yes. But, but, yeah, I'm just saying there's a lot more to this concept, you know, that, that we didn't have an opportunity to, to really unpack, you know. Indeed, um, and I suppose yeah. we, we will probably always run short of that opportunity when yeah. we cannot get to the issues. If we're going to be skirting the issues and not getting to the issues, then we'll always have that, uh, well, deficiency of information. But I, I, I can appreciate what you're saying, and hopefully um, with the remaining 12 minutes, we can see if we can get some information from our guests. All right. Okay, okay. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. All right. Um, I'm, I'm going to read some text messages also for you. We're going to take a break for now, and then we'll come... When we come back from the break, we'll come back and read your text messages and give our guests the opportunity to breathe on the matter. Remember, the question still stands. Can you be a feminist within the religious context? All right, um, I'm going to have uh, the, the rabbi uh, breathe on this matter. You've heard the, the callers, first and foremost. Uh, your reply to the callers? I agree with some of the callers that it's a very, very sensitive and difficult subject. I believe that you do need to look at the, um, at the idea of feminism according to different religions. And perhaps an idea to do um, a series of lectures or a series of talks here on, on your talk show, because it would be interesting, because I can see there is a Quran on the table, to bring someone from Islam, because there is feminism in Islam, exactly as there is feminism in Judaism and, and in Christianity. And I think that it doesn't matter what definition we do, we say. It, those are the words. And if we need to use the English um, dictionary, then we use it. It's actually the actions. And we need to look at the actions that we see of those um, women in the Bible and women in our days in the different specters of life. So in, in your view, was Esther a feminist? Yes, she was a very brave woman. I, I used to say all the time, brave woman. <laughs> but yes, she was um, indeed, because she, re- she revealed her true religious identity to the king. And she explained that what was the Haman's evil plot to rid uh, 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 of the land of her people. And the king was angry. 
and who knows what he would be ordering uh, to do with her. Um, remember that he did say to Haman, and this is why when there is a um, service in the synagogues during the festival of Purim, every time when there is this evil word of Haman is, the kids and the grown-ups, they need to do um, all the noise that they can um, make and to do boo and, you know, just to show how bad it was. Um, and Mordechai, in the end, became the, his prime minister. And Esther's caring and determined nature uh, prevented this um, ex- extinction of all the Jews from Persia, making her, in my eyes, a very strong feminist. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. And, and why do you use Vashti also as an example of a feminist? Yes. Yes. She is was queen of Persia. Yes. Uh, what, the exiled she, she queen of Persia. Yes. Yes. How was she a feminist? So, um, if you remember, she was hosting a party for the woman of the land at the same time uh, when her husband uh, was there around. And it was hosting a his very long feast also. Yes. yes. Um, it was a very long week uh, celebration with lots of drinking. And the final day, he demanded that she come to his party and that she will entertain his friends. And she refused to do so. Um, most likely because she was entertaining her own guests. But this is just my thought. Surmising, and yes. maybe she just didn't want, and she didn't feel like she needs to do that. And um, she was removed as a queen, um, but her actions were still admirable. Um, when by she, whom? Who admired By me. Oh, okay. By me. Okay. That she had the courage to stand against her powerful husband. Okay. Do you imagine that her God also admired her actions? Who said that God is man? I, I don't know. I'm not asking about the gender of God right now. I'm asking whether that God, men or female, did that God admire her action? If God knew what the action is, might be yes. I think that God has a lot of very important things to think about okay. and to do. And perhaps God, even that she was queen of Persia, maybe God didn't really know what Vashti was up that night. All I right. think in the end of the day, it's the actions that count. All right. Uh, Professor Landman? It's out now. Um, I want to come back to the... Do you want me to comment on, on Esther? And because I'm much more for Fasti, who was the one who resisted the, the stylized way in which she was uh, being handled. Yes. But I want to go back to the person who called him, and he talked about God calling people. Yeah. And when you go to all the calls in the Bible, and all the calling scenes, you find that not only did God call men and women, like Deborah, like Miriam, like, but they, he also called people with disabilities, like Moses. He called people with um, children. And he called a wide variety of people from the high ranks, from the low ranks, like Gideon. And uh, that is actually an example of what God's relationship to people is. Um, is uh, Professor Landman, can you share with us those texts? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Can you share with us the text where God calls Miriam, where God calls um, um, uh, Deborah and so forth? Um, yes, and you, you can uh, look in Judges uh, 5 and 6, okay. or rather the first chapters of Judges where God called Deborah. Where, um, where in Ju- Ju- Judges chapter 5? Because I have the Bible right here in front of me. I'm sorry, I don't have the Bible right in front of me, but we have a song sung by Deborah. Yes, in I can see it in chapter 5, yes. But there are lots of different calling scenes. We also have a calling scene with Mary. Okay. Let me, Mary let, me quickly, let me quickly read that text that you're alleging is the call by God calling Deborah. Its title is the song of Deborah and Barak. It reads in from verse five, chapter 5, verse 1. This, uh, then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of the Abinoam, and that day, on that day, saying, Praise ye the Lord for the evening, the avenging of Israel, when the people willingly offered themselves. Hear, O ye kings, give ear, O ye princes. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord, God of Israel. Lord, when thou wentest out of Sire, when thou marchedst out of the field of Edom, and the earth trembled, and the heavens dropped, and clouds also dropped water, the mountains melted from before the Lord, even the Sinai from before sorry, the Lord. Can I interrupt you? Yes. 
Can I interrupt you, please? I'm, I'm not quite sure what you're doing now. You're reading Deborah's song there. Yes, that's what you claimed is the calling of Deborah, yeah. Professor Landman. No, no, no. I said earlier in Judges, she was called. I don't have the Bible right in front of me. I didn't know we were going to do the speaking here. But God called Deborah, and um, then she said, and then she inspired Barak to do that. And after they had the victory, she sang that song. Do you, do you have a problem with those facts? I need the, 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 the scriptural support for it, Professor Landman. Okay. I have no issue with you alleging it is a fact as long as it has some scriptural uh, the support. Point I wanted to make, sir, the point I want to make is God called different people. Um, they are also, I'm sorry that I can't pinpoint the correct verse here. I don't have the Bible in front of me. But would you, would you say that God didn't call Mary to be the mother of, uh, to be the mother of uh, Jesus? So they are different. And he also called children like Samuel and so on. So there are a lot of calling scenes in the Bible. And the point I want to make is that is exactly what, what um, women's theologies and post-feminism want, want to do today. They want to say that Gender is an important aspect of of um, interpreting the Bible, of being a Christian. Okay. But it's not the only aspect. All right. And I'll since women have been excluded from many things for many years, from positions, from ordination, solely on the point of their, on, in, in case of their gender, that needs to change because we have to be equal in our skills and for those reasons we are called and we are being ordained and we are being made professors to interpret the scripture. All right. That is what, what is the basis of, and that is why we can be women theologians, or as you call them, feminisms, feminists in the, um, in the church okay. and, or in Christianity. With respect, Professor Landman, I, I, I believe we need to draw a distinction between a theologian and a feminist. The gender of the theologian with respect is of utmost of irrelevance to our conversation. You can be a theologian of any, of any gender, and you can be a, a feminist of any gender. That's not even the subject of our conversation. Perhaps we need to again revisit no. the subject of our conversation. But I want to read some text message, because um, we received some text messages also, and then we'll give the rabbi an opportunity to wrap up also. No, no, One text... No, no, Professor Landon... Exactly what I told you is that a feminist... In the feminist standpoint here, in the way in which you understand feminism, a feminist can only be a woman because they work with essentialism that, and, and, and with um, epistemological privilege that, that only a woman can be a feminist. And we have moved away from that situation I understand, now. Professor Landman. Our time is running out, Professor. I, I need to read the text messages also and then give the rabbi opportunity to breathe in this matter also. Um, one pro- text message from my daughter reads, according to the Bible, God up appearances, professor, uh, prophecy and visions was through a man, that's my daughter but I'll currently re- revise your text message before you send it, another one says my view is that there is no supreme being or religious texts uh, attempts to explain life and they are written by men in patriarchal societies and hence the patriarchal nature of the Bible, for instance, it's anonymous please sign your text message anonymous, another one says, please try to keep an open mind, we have an opportunity to learn from the professor as a man, it is valuable for me to understand these matters also bear in mind, as men, we need to listen about how women describe themselves let's go on our David's Another one says, you may not fashion uh, the Almighty to what suits your narrative. You spewed up to support women's worldly dreams as and desires. You want your own glory in place of God's order. Uh, okay, that one was not uh, a sign. Okay, we're going to leave our conversation right there. We'll read some of the text messages next week. Uh, Rabbi? Please, 30 seconds, our time is already up. Okay, I will, I will, I will try. I believe that you, it's not a question of gender. You can be a man and you can be a feminist. Indeed. Absolutely. And I think you're a feminist in, in your own very special way. <laughs> I think I will not be invited here ever again. <laughs> Trust me, you will. <laughs> <laughs> but like many religions, Judaism is very complex and very nuanced. And Jewish um, laws, they're full of, they, they need to have female symbols. Um, the power, the righteousness, and for example, like Miriam, that was Moses' sister, and I think we need to see the feminism in action. Okay, all right, we're going to leave it right there. Our time is up for me and the team. Have a wonderful day and Godspeed. Up next, the news at eleven on SFML. Good day.